when you have your goal and it's your goal and not somebody else's goal, um, then you're going to be more inspired to chase and pursue that goal. And so it's, it's about taking the steps forward progress, taking care of yourself and building that stamina. And it doesn't happen overnight, but if the goal kind of makes you clench your teeth and nerves and determination and like make your heart flutter, it's probably the right goal. Hey everyone, Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential and of course, have some fun along the way. Now, you may have caught something extra special in there, the mention of the AG Studio. Today, I am taking my long-term partnership with the brand that many of us know and love as Athletic Greens to a whole new level. Enter the AG Studio. So what's this mean for you? It means that, as always, you will be hearing about why I love this product every now and then on the show. If you haven't heard of AG1 from Athletic Greens before, Let me be the first to fill you in on the product that I obsess over. That's got 75 whole food sourced ingredients and supports immunity, energy, gut health, mental clarity, and recovery. I'm super excited to support this brand in their new chapter and for their support as I continue on my journey to bring you the best discussions, interesting experts, fabulous takeaways, and so much more here in this space. Of course, if you want to get in on AG1 from Athletic Greens, head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. And with your first purchase, you will get a year's supply of vitamin D as well as five free travel packs. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Snack some for yourself and try out the drink that I have been starting my day with for over three years now. For today's episode, I am amped to bring you my conversation with Allison Tetrick. She is a professional cyclist and coming in to chat us through all of the things you need to know if you are a total newbie on the bike. Cycling has been something that I have gotten into a lot more over the past couple of years, logging miles all over the New York area and beyond. And when I got into it, got my first road bike, my road bike is a specialized Roubaix. I, yeah, I didn't know a lot at all. And a lot of the things that we talk about in today's episode, I wish I knew back then. We cover everything from safety tips and recommendations for a better bike setup, to the gear that you need, what you should be bringing along with you on your rides in terms of nutrition, the fun fact about underwear on cycling, spoiler alert, you don't really need it, and so much more. I I really appreciate Allison because she's got like such a no BS perspective. She's super straightforward 
And she's also super compassionate. She has gone through plenty of hurdles in her life, including a traumatic brain injury, which we talk about in today's episode. And I really enjoyed having this conversation. Of course, if you have any questions about what we chatted about today, feel free to DM the Hurdle account over at Hurdle Podcast. I'm always reachable over at Emily Abadi. And I want to make sure I tout one more time the Hurdle membership. Things are going to be kicking off in just over one week. And I would love to have you be a part of it. For more details, text the word membership to 732 Hurdler. Again, that is the word membership to 732 Hurdler. That's the Hurdle new SMS subscription text service. By signing up for that, you will be kept in the loop with so many of the things that you already know and love about the show, inspiration, motivation, exclusive deals, and so much more. So again, text the word membership to 732 Hurdler and get all of the details. That's it for now. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Allison Tetrick. She is a pro cyclist and just the woman I need to bring you so much good info about all things cycling. How are you doing today, Al? I'm... I'm doing great. It's uh, in the morning here still. I live in Sonoma County, which is some really good cycling area, um, and it's a little foggy. So I'm a I'm a warm weather rider. It's solar powered. Waiting waiting for the sun. <laughs> <laughs> solar powered. I love that. How long have you been cycling? So I've raced at the you know UCI World Tour level thing, you know Tour de France uh, for about ten years, and I joined Specialized about four years ago and found all things gravel. And got a little more gravel in my travel and raced for them. So we're going, you know, 12, 13 years strong. I played NCAA tennis. So cycling was not my first sport. Uh, I grew up on a cattle ranch in California. And just the bike is a great way to express myself, find freedom and explore new places. Honestly, that is why. So I had dabbled in cycling for a few years now. uh, But last year during COVID, cycling became like 100% my outlet. You use the word freedom. Like it felt like via my bike, I had the freedom to just like get out of the bubble and escape the anxiety that was like so much of the uncontrollable. Yeah. Bike therapy is a real thing, you know, whether it's alone and you and your bicycle or you and your girlfriends, it's uh, bike therapy is a thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. So uh, you talked about growing up and playing different sports. When did you start to think that being a more avid rider and perhaps taking this to the pro level could be something in your wheelhouse? Frankly, I mean, I've just been working on this project about heroes creating heroes. And I grew up a little rogue, you know, a little wild west out in this ranch that was really remote. And my parents are both athletes. Um, my mom is really competitive tennis player still, but she's pre-Title IX. So, you know, you just don't think about that now. But my dad played football for UCLA, their high school sweethearts. And just kind of growing up Annie Oakley style out there with no parameters and rules. So I didn't know, like, girls do this and boys do that. And, you know, and then I just picked up a tennis racket because my mom was, and, um, you know, it's following athletes like Serena Williams, who's, you know, a little older than me, but still kind of, you know, just breaking through those barriers. And then, you know, here I am and I'm a professional athlete and Serena's still like kicking ass and taking names. Like, it's amazing to see like 
how, when we can see strong athletes, like what happens. And it was actually my grandfather and he was, you know, 75 at the time. And he's elbowing me and, and telling me I should, you know, try bike racing. And I thought that was like the dorkiest thing, right? Like, you know, like those neon colors, which now are in, but at the time we're not. And like the tight clothing and, you know, the big glasses. And I was like, this is dorky. Like I like tennis skirts and getting my nails done. And <laughs> he just kept telling me and he steered me towards the bike. And I, I hopped on a bike and in within three months, I'm racing for the USA national team in Europe. I podium at the world championships and, you know, three-time gravel world championship and all this stuff now. And I think it's just literally knowing that those barriers and gender stereotypes and societal constructs like, don't exist sometimes. Like if we just keep plowing through and I fell in love with, I think it's just mainly expressing myself on the bike. Like you're talking about anxiety and you can have a lot of energy as you can tell. And, and it's like funnily not, and it was competitive. Yes. But I think it was just really a great experiment on like how far I could challenge myself, push myself just to be better at something. I definitely think there's no denying that you must have had like a certain amount of natural talent, right? I mean, you don't just hop on a bike and four months later, see the kind of success that you did because you, not that you weren't working hard, but you had to start with some sort of a baseline here, especially as a legacy athlete. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, there is some gift to it, but I don't think that should be disappointing or, you know, too challenging for people. Like you don't have to always be naturally gifted at something. And I um, was reaching some pitfalls in the first part of my career with some injuries and I survived a traumatic brain injury and I'm just trying to come back. And, you know, everyone's telling me what I should do and how I should perform. And I was really struggling. And it was talking to Connie Carpenter, who is the Olympic gold medalist in cycling from 1984. And 1984 is the first year like women were allowed to race bikes in the Olympics. How is that possible? And I am just struggling because, you know, with the pressure we put on ourselves, the pressure we experience from others and exceeding expectations. And, and I'm going, I don't know if I can do this. And I was really down. And, and she said, you know, you get to wake up every morning and just try to be better at something. Like how, how blessed is that? You know, like you get to just wake up every morning and try to be better. And so, yes, there's gifts and athletic prowess and all of that. But also for me, it's just a challenge and what I can do for myself. Like I don't want to compare myself to others. Like I want to just do the best I can. So I think that to me is my love of sport. The traumatic brain injury caused from a cycling accident or not caused from a cycling accident? Yep. Traumatic brain injury was in a professional bike race and life flighted out seizures. Um, and the problem with that is I, I came back too soon. Um, you know, like this is a little pre NFL making concussions, like a very prominent discussion, which is great now, but I had a broken pelvis too. I can't walk. I mean, there's a lot of other issues where you just don't realize that you should be looking at your mental health, health of your brain, you know, all of that. So wow. I came back and arguably it was probably one of my fastest years of my career, most successful. Um, it was also one of my most unhappy, like horrible <laughs> years. And I, I just didn't realize that I couldn't read. I wasn't like, you know, mentally functioning and all of that. And then I crashed again at the Pan American Games. And just kind of fluky thing, concussion on top of the TBI within eight months. And then it was just lights out where that's when you're like, I'm, I'm not okay. And it's actually, we'll bring it back to the start of our conversation as I'm sitting in my childhood bed because I 
can't drive, I can't function. So I like go back to the ranch with my parents, right? And I'm sitting there and I remember just staring at that poster of Serena Williams still on my wall, you know, going like, how am I back here? At the time, it was such a low moment where I couldn't think like, what was the blessing? You know, people like, oh, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, everyone says all those things. Like, think about the positive. And I remember being so angry being like, there was actually nothing positive about this. 10 years later, I go, oh, no, when you're that low, the only way you can go is up. And that's the only positive I can find now still, but it made me address my mental health. I raced on antidepressants for a year. And then I realized through, you know, therapy and working on myself that I choose my health over results. And that's where we go into don't compare yourself to others, like meet yourself where you're at, your presence is your power, you know, things like that. And and I firmly believe that now. Allison, thanks so much for sharing all of that. I mean, I think that this is a hot topic right now in the in the scheme of professional athleticism and athletes speaking out about their mental health, right? Like you you were saying, you were at the top of your game, but the lowest that you had felt mentally. And it's just so important hearing your new stance and all of these takeaways. And clearly to an extent, like they're almost a mantra for you right now. Like you just spewed them out, like one after the one after the one after the next, you know, like you are so dialed in on what's important. Like, yes, we're made to feel like our value and our worth comes with how we associate, right? So if you're associating as a cyclist and you're performing well as a cyclist, then everything must be great. But that's not really how it is at the end of the day. No, it's it's not. And I think that's the biggest, you know, look at the Olympics, you know, these takeaways we get from these incredible athletes that, you know, athletes aren't robots, but you don't even have to be a professional athlete to not be a robot. None of us are right. You know, and, and it's about, it's like, yeah, just really honing in on where you are in that moment and what you can do with your, your power. And sometimes that's saying no, and, you know, getting rid of toxic relationships, not putting expectations on yourself. And other times it's, challenging and going for the medal or, you know, finishing your first marathon or something, you know, and I think that's super cool. And I learned, I mean, it did take some therapy, but it was to not identify myself as just an athlete. And, and I'm not like, I'm, you know, cowgirl, I'm a daughter, I'm a biochemist, I'm a entrepreneur, you know, I'm a founder, I'm all these things. Once I didn't just identify myself as an athlete, as a cyclist, I actually performed better. I was happier. And then finding that life balance was really key. So that's something I always talk to people that maybe they want to pursue a professional career in sports or just in life too, right? We have a hard time sometimes balancing that. And I realized I don't want to miss baby showers anymore and, you know, weddings and unfortunately funerals, right? Like you, you want to find that life balance where you're not as sterile and there's a saying like happy athletes go faster, you know, type thing. And I think that's true. What you pointed out about finding your sense of self-worth and and understanding that you are so many things that can carry you beyond just these instances of injury when it comes to identifying your purpose and your why. It will also help you thrive in like all the other relationships that go hand in hand with all the other ways that you identify. Exactly. Exactly. And it's just about, yeah, purpose of your why, which we'll, we'll get into, but that is one of my, my talking points for later is, you know, remembering your why. And then also knowing that that's totally fluid sometimes, like it's okay to change your mind. Like you're fixated on a century and the weather looks bad, or, you know, your family life is in chaos. Like maybe just adjust your why for a second and, and that's okay too. Um, and right. I think that's really important. 
Definitely, definitely. So, I mean, wow, your story is incredible. And I'm so grateful to have you here, not only to touch on that, but then also to dive into what we're really here to talk about today, which is talking about best practice tips for new cyclists. So you have a ton of experience under your belt. Before we really get into the nitty gritty, if you reflect right now about your initial days cycling before you realized maybe just how obscenely talented you were, is there anything that you wish someone told you right off the bat that you know now? Oh man. So I, um, now biker shorts, like is a thing, which is really funny (laughs) to me, right? Like you can buy them at, I don't know, like this is what they're wearing, right? I, but not like actually cycling shorts is they're called biker shorts, which I think is funny. I always thought they were a little long. So like I, I got some like cycling shorts. I bought them at, you know, big five or something. And I rolled them up because I was used to tennis and I wanted, I was worried about tan lines. And now looking at those photos, I'm like wearing like a sports bra, <laughs> rolled up shorts, rolled down short socks. <laughs> um, totally fine. But now I'm thinking about the sun damage on my back. Like, I mean, why was I riding around for hours on end getting sunburned? Um, and my <laughs> first bike race, I didn't a, one of the rules for USA cycling, you know, our governing body. So if you want to go to a bike race, like one of the rules different, different to triathlon is you have to have a Jersey with sleeves, but I didn't own one. And my, I was visiting my grandparents in Colorado. And so I wore one of my grampy's jerseys. <laughs> I put it on, I zip it up and I get to the start line. And, um, so pedals are a thing we'll talk about, but you clip into your pedals where you have to just, you know, move your ankle to unclip from it. And I was really uncomfortable with the fact of being clipped into my bike. So I didn't know how to clip in. I was terrified to clip out because I just would spontaneously fall over at, you know, traffic lights and things. So I'm at the start line of my first race wearing my like Grampy's like Colorado state champion, like ship Jersey. And I'm sitting there and I'm just going, okay, Allison, you're going to clip in. You're going to put your pedal, your foot down and you're going to clip in and then you're going to pedal. And I'm like, what if I fall over and like domino all these women, like what's going to happen. And I'm getting, I'm like so nervous. I'm so ready to race. And then the, you know, referee or, you know, whatever commissaire says, and he points at me and he's like, her number's on backwards. So like, also like you pin your number and it should read a certain way, but I pinned it where I could see it. But then when you're on your bike, <laughs> it's the wrong way. And so there's my, my grandparents coming like, oh, we'll get it. And I'm, you know, 24, 25 years old, like have my grandma, like be fixing my number. And everyone on the start line is just like, oh God, she's never done this before. And then sure enough, the race goes and I can't clip in. And I'm like stamping my foot down. I don't want to fall. And the race is gone. And I look up at my grandpa and he's like, just go. (laughs) But I can't clip in. He's like, doesn't matter. (laughs) But it was a good experience. (laughs) It was a good experience. It was a good experience. And it was your first experience. And I think an important thing that we need to say as we go on in this conversation is don't judge that start too harshly, right? Like it's a start for a reason. The fact that you're willing to put yourself out there and try something new, whether it's cycling or, you know, it could be anything. That's a really exciting moment for you to be a beginner because you only get to be a beginner once and reflect on these stories and hopefully look back and like laugh a fair amount. So, okay. We learned clipping in can be tough. (laughs) Yeah. Don't, don't fall over, but, um, yeah, that can be really tough. And I agree. Like sometimes I'm jealous. Like I've done in this sport long enough now where I'm like, Oh wow, I'm a veteran. And, um, 
I'm sometimes jealous of beginners, you know, when you have that fire in your belly and no sense of failure yet. And I'm always like, oh man, she's a fighter and she's never failed. Like she's never been life lighted out of the canyon. She's never fell over at the grocery store. She's never like, oh wow. And and you miss that part, right? You're that innocence of of just starting and and going as hard as you can and not knowing your limits. Cause unfortunately I've, you know, met some of my limits in my career. <laughs> so and then it goes to start lines too. And I think that's an important topic is sometimes I think we glorify finish lines too much. You know, how did you do? Like what was your place? Versus were you brave enough to just start? You know, like I think that's like super impressive to me is like people picking a goal and starting. Like, isn't that like and maybe sometimes you can't finish and that's okay too, but we always try and uh, yeah. glorifying the start lines because those are really hard, you know, like you're putting your neck on the line. Yeah. Well, what a beautiful takeaway. I love that. St- start glorifying the start lines is going to be the new, the new catchphrase <laughs> for the I show. Start <laughs> lines. Like, isn't that great? Like we all like, cause at that point you're all together, right? There's no finish yet. You know, you're all just embarking on this thing, like a challenge or I don't want to say journey. That sounds awful. Um, but you know, you're starting on this and everyone has different expectations. And I think those are really beautiful to celebrate. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay. We talked about your clothing mishaps. So maybe let's kickstart this there as well. Talking about what we need to know about gear when it comes to wanting to become a more regular cyclist. Bibs are a cycling must have. And I know bibs are kind of weird. So for those that don't know, or do know, like they're shorts and then there's bibs and bibs to me, they have, I call them suspenders. And I know that's not the appropriate thing, but they, they kind of pull up over your shoulders. Um, and cycling shorts and bibs have padding on your butt, you know, for more comfort and a good set of bibs. They are expensive, but they're really worth it. And then women sometimes go, well, why bibs? I do the shorts. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to go real on this is muffin top is a thing. You know, the shorts like cut in your stomach and bibs, like it's a smooth transition because there's no like cinch around your waist. So it's nice when you lean over, you know, everything's like compressed. It's very comfortable for heat and sweat as well as I think aesthetically it looks good. And then you get worried about having to pee because, you know, the shorts are easier just to pull down, but I, I race for specialized, but they have like, I call it free to pee and I know it's not called that, but it has a little magnetic thing in the back where you can just kind of drop tail and you're able to go to the bathroom without completely disrobing, which is nice. Um, but comfort on the bike is big. If you're not comfortable, you don't enjoy riding. And I think that's like a big thing. Cause I think some women and men, you know, you start riding and you're not comfortable and you're kind of like, eh, this sport might not be for me, but you know, if you can dial in the comfort factor, which I have a few other tips on, I think that's a really cool thing. I actually love uh, suspenders free short, but I agree with you that I do think that the silhouette can be like, just like that, like extra, like, I want to say like skims level of flattering when you go with like the suspenders style. So to each their own, I also love a cycling short that has uh cargo pockets. That's like my like Goldilocks fine that it's not always easy to find that like perfect pocketed bibs. But I will, uh, in the show notes to this episode, I'll throw a couple of links into my favorite styles. You also mentioned comfort being key. What other tips do you have about being more comfortable on the bike as a newbie? Yeah. So every body's different. So my bike fit isn't going to look like your bike fit. And that's why going to a professional that has seen a lot of athletes and has experience in that space 
will be really beneficial because let's be real pressure points on a bike are pretty key. So you got undercarriage pressure, hands, feet. And so how you set yourself up on that bike will really dictate how much you enjoy riding it. I love the phrase undercarriage, like such a like politically <laughs> correct, nice way to be like, your ass is going to kill you if you don't take care of that. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't want to like experience birth control via the bike, right? <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Okay. So a couple of things to be mindful of when it comes to comfort. We talked about your gear and your setup. We also talked about your bike fit. Um, something else that I think is really important, which you had referenced in your first race as being a faux pas is having good socks. Why are socks important? I love the socks for, um, I think the compression actually helps. I don't wear long compression socks, but I wear like a mid calf length and then you're sweating a lot. If you think about it, it's, it's similar to running, but if there's a lot of sweat, um, a good pair of shoes works well, um, carbon soles, you're really connected to the bike. So a good pair of socks mixed with a good pair of shoes. Like I think it's just about that connection to the bike and then you don't want swamp foot, right? <laughs> so you, you just want like a, Cycling socks are thinner than you think. And I think buying a good pair of socks with paired with the shoes and the pedals, it, it really makes sense um, for that feel. Um, and one tip that might seem awkward to people, back to the bibs real quick. I use chamois butter, but it's a chamois cream. And it's weird because it's just kind of an anti-chafing cream you put back to that undercarriage thing. And that really helps, like, you know, lubricate. Things are moving around and you're not chafing when you do those you know, whether it's a spin class or on the road. Yeah. And something else to point out here, which I, it took me like months of cycling before someone told me this, that you're not supposed to wear underwear with your bibs. Oh, I forgot to bring that up. Correct. Do not wear underwear. You have the diaper. I call it a diaper. See, I'm not making this sound very glamorous, but you got the pads and I always just like kind of feel like you're wearing a diaper. So, um, I, I don't do underwear and then um, this might be TMI, but if you're on your period or menstruating, I actually just tend to not put anything in because that could also cause uncomfort. And so you just wash your clothes. I, I don't know. That might be too much. <laughs> That's what I do. I mean, to each their own, right? Do we know like why we're not supposed to be wearing underwear with cycling bibs? Cycling bibs are designed kind of with the built-in underwear, uh, with the padding, the contours to deal with everything that's going on, whether you're male or female down there. Um, yeah. and if you, if you do underwear, what happens is you're just causing like, you're, you're taking away what the bib or the short was designed for, and you're adding more like clothing folds and that can cause that chafing, rubbing little raw spots. Yeah. And so I think it's just letting the clothing do what it was designed to do. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsor at Gooder. I'm going to be honest. I lent a pair of my Gooder sunglasses to one of my best friends when he was here last week, and he may or may not have accidentally taken them, and I am feeling <laughs> absolutely lost. Oh my goodness. I realized in gifting these glasses accidentally to my friend that I am beyond obsessed with Gooder. And Here's why. Gooder sunglasses are super, super lightweight and they are no bounce, 
all polarized and perfect for whatever activity I have on deck. I have tried so many active geared sunglasses in my day, and these literally don't move an inch, whether I am gently jogging along in Brooklyn Bridge Park or running to catch the subway. Plus, they have shapes and styles for everyone. My go-to, the Operation Blackout. I'm also a huge fan of the $9 pour-over, but so many different looks for whatever your mood is. Of course, I have a deal for you. Get 15% off your purchase today by heading to gooder.com slash hurdle and using the code hurdle15 at checkout. Again, head on over to gooder.com, that's G-O-O-D-R.com slash hurdle and use hurdle15 at checkout for 15% off. So now we may have blown your mind if you were listening to this. Do not wear underwear with your cycling bibs. We talked about comfort. What else is something that new cyclists should be paying attention to? You know, I the one thing I think is just like like safety checks. Like make sure your bike is working properly. Um, whether you're making friends with the mechanic at your local bike shop or hiring somebody, you know, there's mobile services. It could be a partner, a friend. But um, we're, we're traveling on these bicycles at, you know, relatively high speeds and things can go wrong. It's held together by bolts and it's carbon fiber, most likely. Um, and so making sure your bike is properly set up, functioning and safe, um, once again, more enjoyable and a better experience. Yeah, for sure. And you brought you brought up a, a buzz phrase here, which we should tap into real quick, which is saying that most likely your bike is carbon fiber. So there are going to be different types of bikes that you can get, especially as a beginner. Uh, the first thing that I will say is, of course, they come at all different price points and in a wide variety uh, with a wide variety of options. But Generally speaking, uh, you know, a bike that might be smoother for you to ride is certainly going to start to get up there in price as well. I mean, I think the sport as a whole certainly has like a steep entry point when it comes to costs associated with it. So for newbies that are trying to perhaps select their first bike, what would you say to them in terms of things to look for, what to keep in mind? I mean, I think um, it depends what your purpose of the bike is, whether you want a hybrid bike, you know, mountain bike to road bike, kind of hybrid, more comfortable fit, a traditional road bike, you know, think the little skinny tires and drop bars. I ride a lot of gravel, which I think gives me some flexibility to ride wider tires. So I feel safer. Um, I can take it off road. I can take it on road, not lose any sort of kind of speed feeling. Um, but then I feel safer with, you know, potholes and manhole covers, you know, like, because I have wider tires. So I think what you're looking for is it's what's your purpose? Like, what's your goal? You know, do you want to compete in a triathlon? Do you want to do a century, just commute to work? I mean, there's a bike for everything. And then when you look across the brand, just know what kind of price point you want. And, and you know, it's, there's a, there's a right bike for you and to not be intimidated by it. But the, you know, the barrier to entry is quite high, but it's worth it because once you have it, it's a great investment. And it lasts for a really long time as we go back to taking care of it. Yeah, for sure. And I love uh, the idea that you articulated, which is so important, is that know what you want to do with your bike, right? Like there are so many different things and places that you can go on two wheels, whether it is just staying on the road or going on gravel, or maybe you want to go mountain biking. So knowing exactly what your purpose is, uh, even like a commuting bike, it might be a 
pick that you're also going to be riding road with, that's a very different bike than what you might choose if you want to be like getting a lot of fitness and going out on long road rides and stuff like that. So all of these super important questions to ask yourself and don't be afraid, I would say, to like go into your local bike shop and articulate all of these to them because this is what the people that work there, they hear these things all the time and they're going to have the intel and the know-how to help you choose the right bike that's going to be right for you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think as far as like for women too, sometimes it's intimidating to walk into a shop, which, you know, sometimes is a bunch of dudes working at and, you know, you're asking about wearing underwear with your shorts or not. Right. And, <laughs> and so same thing goes to when you're finding a bike, like don't be afraid just to say what you want. And then also that's where the bike fit. Make sure you're buying the right bike. That's the right size for you and not because there's a flash sale, you got to buy this bike that may be too big or too small for you. So making sure it serves your purpose and kind of going back to what you want out of the bike and then knowing you can always get another one. <laughs> Something else I'd love to touch on with you is talking about nutrition on the bike. It's an interesting subject, right? Because uh, whereas with running, they say that you don't really need to really think about fluids if you're running for under, I'd say like 45 or 60 minutes on the bike that changes like real fast. So talk to me about, you know, some of the things that you've learned about fueling on the bike and maybe some of the advice that you'd offer to the hurdlers. Yep. So, um, I'm sorry, apparently I'm on a mantra phase today, but something I say when I'm on my bike is eat and drink early and often. And, or you can, that works for you. Eat and drink early and often or sip, sip, nibble, nibble, <laughs> um, <laughs> which I just have a rule for myself. Like I have a lot of apparently mantras and rules, but you know, every time I get on my bike, I have a purpose, you know, whether it's learning how to ride in a straight line, cornering better, you know, having therapy, you know, like I always have a purpose kind of like you do in yoga, which is super weird because I don't do yoga at all. So when it comes to nutrition, I have a rule that's one bottle an hour and then eat and drink early and often. And once you push past that hour barrier, if you haven't fueled appropriately, you're really going to start paying the price. So depending on your body size and your intensity level, eating and drinking early and often is always good. I personally usually have a goal about 250 calories an hour. So I can put that in my bottle in the form of electrolyte. I use goo. Um, you know, there's lots of options out there on the market. And you can also eat a snack bar or a gel, depending on your intensity. But I used to, when I first started, like have an alarm on my little bike computer to like remind me to drink. Because like, you know, you start and everyone feels like world champion, right? And you start, you're in a race, you're riding with your friends, you forget. You're like, I got guys talking or going hard. And then like later, you get two hours in, you're you're dehydrated and you're, you burn through some, most of your glycogen stores. So it's, it's about just keeping that consistent blood sugar and however you do that, whether it's in your bottle and a snack or, or whatever. So funny, right? Because everyone has like a feeling strategy that works for them. I feel like on the bike, I get thirsty like pretty quickly. And they always say like, when you're thirsty, that's like a big sign, obviously that you need to take in liquids. But for me, I'm totally with you on the co-signing like early, often. Um, I'm a huge fan of like taking a bike ride to somewhere where it's like, there's a strategic treat insight. So if you like give me a donut 25 miles in, I'm like, yes, actually, I would love to do that. I am totally a treat-based athlete as well. So destination <laughs> ride. Treat -based. Is like oh my God. I'm going to, maybe I'm going to have to change my Instagram bio, treat-based athlete. Yes. I'm like donut, oyster, sans serre, like a beer or, you oyster. know, burger. <laughs> 
Oh, I live in Sonoma County. I mean, there's really cool places to go ride my bike. I mean, amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, find me a donut. You're like, I'll take a half dozen oysters and maybe like a glass of wine. And then we'll wait like 30 minutes and we'll get back on the bike. Yeah, I've done that. I support it. I mean, I'm a big fan of the mid-ride beer as well, which I'm carbs, carbs. I'm not advocating for drinking and cycling. I'm just saying like a half or a full beer isn't going to You'll be okay. I promise you. I promise yeah. you. This uh, do not take this as medical advice. <laughs> Let me make sure that I'm throwing that. <laughs> we are the trained professionals. <laughs> yeah. Um, but okay. So we talked about nutrition, fuel early, fuel often, find the stuff that works for you. Uh in my bottles, I usually keep one bottle of uh just water and the other bottle. Um, I'm a huge fan of Element. They are a sponsor of the show, but I love a salty sip. It's like exactly what I want when I'm out there and it's hot and I'm dripping and all of the things. Do you have any uh, go-to, what fuel do you use? I um, I am sponsored by Goo Energy Labs. So I use their electrolyte and gels. And then I race some really long events. Um, I'm a gravel racer now. So my events can be, you know, 10, 12 hours. So I start like I do when the intensity is high, I go for the, you know, gels, the, you know, chews, you know, think about all that, like kind of straight carbs, straight sugar. And then as the race leaves, you know, and goes into the four, six, seven, eight hours, I start getting hungry. Um, So I make snacks or I do a pizza in my feed zones or sandwiches. I make this little sandwich called a little stinky. And it's a Hawaiian sweet roll some butter, some cheese, salami, and a pickle. Love that. And it's like, it's savory. I'm a savory person. So after my, I call it like race gut, you know, you've had all the sweets and you're just start wanting. So you said you love the salty sip, like hundred percent agree. Um, and I start craving a little more complex food. Um, also your intensity after that duration isn't full. Like we call it full gas. Like it's not, you know, you're, you're starting to kind of find your groove. You probably by yourself, you start getting kind of hungry. Um, so I think a little more protein helps me on that. Yeah. And then the other key though, to that too, is like, I use a camelback chase vest for when I'm not on the road, when I'm like off road, which is a hydration pack. Like when you're scared and it's technical, if you're off road or, you know, you're going over rocks, like I just have a little straw and that helps me do the sip, sip, nibble, nibble thing. The sip, sip, nibble, nibble, the sip, sip, nibble, nibble patent that. Yeah. Nutrition, gear, finding the right bike fit, safety. We, we touched on that buzzword before. So let's give that a little bit more love at the moment. Uh, certainly I would say at all times, but especially for new riders, as you start to get your footing and get more comfortable on your bike, it's a really great tip to get out there with a friend or a companion that you could share the ride with. Not only because if you happen to get a flat tire or something that there's someone to share in that experience with you and hopefully help you get back on your feet, but also because you want to make sure that if something were to happen, like a crash that you have backup and someone to give you a hand. And plus like not to downplay the importance of like having someone to be with in case you get a little bit lost. Yeah. Um, training partners are key. Um, you know, we're talking that let's see, I'm solar power treat based and also social based in the sport. You know, somebody to get you out the door is nice too. It's eight 30. You need to leave by eight 30, but you're like on Instagram training partners help with that. Uh, safety. Once again, too, we'll talk, always wear your helmet. My helmet has an Angie sensor in there that if I do ash and, you know, that impact and then go to an emergency contact, which is my partner and my wow. phone, um, which is super cool for the safety. Um, and then also 
sometimes like it's just, it's just really nice to be with people but also you know if you get lost or something happens and I have hitchhiked only a couple times because usually I, I don't train alone that often I I like to have people around yeah I love that your helmet has that technology in it a lot of other like popular either wearables like Garmin or I know like bike computers will also have features that you can set up where if you were to experience a crash then someone like your emergency contact will also get a notification. So super, super important to do this kind of recon before you get out there, just so that you can put yourself in the best possible position. Not that we want anything to happen to you, but should something happen to you, that you will be in contact ASAP with the people that know that something's up. Something else that I think is important for us to touch on as well, uh, building up your stamina, right? Like as you're a new rider, it can feel really intimidating. You see people maybe on your Strava or whatever you're looking at that are doing these 50 and 100 mile bike rides. And you're like, I'm never going to be able to do anything like that. Um, again, we said earlier in this in this episode, like don't judge your beginnings too harshly. What would you say to this athlete as they're starting out on getting more comfortable on the bike and slowly building up that mileage? I think it's what we also touched in on the beginning was finding your why. And I think that's really important because when you have your goal and it's your goal and not somebody else's goal, um, then you're going to be more inspired to chase and pursue that goal. And so it's, it's about taking the steps forward progress, taking care of yourself and building that stamina. And it doesn't happen overnight, but if the goal kind of makes you clench your teeth and nerves and determination and like make your heart flutter, it's probably the right goal, but it's about giving yourself that grace as you, as you pursue that. And it takes time and, you know, coaches can really help or Google's a great guide too. I mean, you know, if you don't want to, you just bought a bike and you don't want to buy a coach too, I get it. But um, I need to, like, I, for me, it was about finding my why. And sometimes that wasn't what society told me it should be. Like if you're all your friends are doing a triathlon and you don't want to, then, you know, pick something else that makes you excited. And then, you know, having that plan and, and knowing that, I mean, I'm a biochemist by trade. And the best thing about endurance sports is that direct relationship to a lot of times the time you put in and your performance. So as you keep just adding a little bit of time, increasingly, your stamina is going to keep increasing. Of course, there's a overtraining, dipping over the edge. But you know what I mean? Like think a nice steady increase where, you know, anything is possible um, and just giving yourself that time and that plan. Definitely. And something else to touch on, you mentioned before, like with what you were wearing and wearing a proper cycling jersey instead of just wearing a sports bra, be mindful that you're going to be out there for a while, likely, regardless of what level yet you're at. So sunscreen is super, super important, especially if you do want to try, and I stress the word try, to avoid that ever lovely cycling shorts, convenient tan line. Well, I do the, um, the fade. So when I do train alone, like I roll up my shorts a little bit, roll them <laughs> down. So the fade, but I love sunscreen. I put it on like face, uh, obviously my whole body. And um, luckily, the, if you get nice cycling kit, it has usually UPF 50, you know, it's, it's trying to protect you. So um, they do a good job with that. But the tan lines, the sock ones are the worst because I do like <laughs> those mid calf. And then, you know, you're going to a wedding and you freaking have like, you know. Yeah. And the short sleeve fade, the sock fade, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay. Before I let you go, anything else that we haven't touched on just yet that you think is important for us to bestow on relatively new cyclists? Yeah, I think, I think we've covered so much. You make everything so approachable and that's what we all love about you um, and taking something it sounds complex, but just to remember, you know, we've been riding bikes since we were kids and it's, 
it's enjoyable and it should be fun. And like I said, if you're riding bikes, you're doing it right. And it could be an e-bike. It can be a hybrid mountain bike, gravel road, you know, um, whatever your goal is for that. And, and it can be intimidating, but you know, like we, we could just jump in and do these things and, and if fine. It's just like riding a bicycle. Um, and then not being afraid to ask questions, you know, and, and get good. The internet is great. Uh, your local bike shop. Um, Emily's always obviously like, an expert uh, in the field here of making things approachable. So I think that's about what you find that exploration and expression through two wheels is such a powerful experience. Oh, you're so good to me. I, I think what you just said there about not being able to ask questions, it's kind of my mantra and what I've really adopted as I've carried on in this podcast journey. It's, I remember before I started podcasting that I would listen to this one show in particular where the host asked a lot of the questions that I had. And I think so often we get like a little nervous or afraid, right? Like we're a little nervous to admit that we have this question that we think that we're supposed to have the answer to. So when it comes to like my approach with interviewing guests, sometimes I feel like I have to go back to basics so that I can get the answers that I would have wanted myself. And the same goes, of course, as we're talking about here with cycling, addressing, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help or go to the bike shop, befriend them, be cool with them. Like I used to have a guy uptown, Rob, that like, I felt like whenever I was coming through, he like knew that I was coming through with some sort of perhaps super novice, but great question that I needed answering. So reaching out to people like your version of Rob at your bike shop, obviously uh, DMing someone like Allison, I'm sure she'd be happy to help you with your questions, but finding community in that you don't have to have all the answers right away. That's really important, right? Like you're not supposed to, you're not going to. And again, on that note of not judging your beginnings too harshly, like don't judge yourself for, for not knowing all the answers. No, you never, I mean, look at life. like, we never know all the answers. Right. And I'm a professional. I've been doing this a long time and I still make <laughs> mistakes, you know? So, but it, I, I think though, it's about, yeah, not, I think sometimes in sport and, you know, it's about women, I think supporting women too. I mean, and not, putting what we do on this pedestal that's unapproachable. Like, yeah, we can ride real fast, real hard. We're good at what we do, but I mean, it's just riding bikes, man. Like, just like you could be a CEO of a company. It's just running a company. It's, you know, managing good people. Like there's, there's things around this, right? Like, come on. <laughs> so but the moral of the story is talk to friends about riding your bike, have fun riding your bike, and you can literally do whatever the hell you put your mind to. And eat treats. Like that's the best part of riding bikes the treats and the snack stops, right? Like Period. that's why we ride. Period. Yes. Oh my God, <laughs> Allison, this was so fun to chat up with you. And we're definitely going to have to get a ride in the books. Our, our mutual friend, Kelly, and I were talking about a possible uh, trip for me out to California, maybe at the end yeah. of October. So we'll look into that. We'll catch up. How do the hurdlers follow along with you for more inspiration? How do they keep up with you? Give me all the details. Oh, perfect. Um, well, you can follow me on all things, the internet's Instagram's great. It's a lot of cycling and I don't know, bike adventures. My handle is at amtetric, A-M-T-E-T-R-I-C-K. And um, also just look at the links in the bio because my COVID sourdough bread was um, making bandanas and selling them for scholarships for female identifying athletes to race bikes here for NICA's uh, NorCal High School Cycling League. So we've done five scholarships already and I only have a few bandanas left. Um, one's a total cowgirl. So you'll recognize that and of internal summer. And then we were talking about being treat based. The other pattern is a paisley pattern with everything. Why I love riding bikes, which by the way, Emily has a donut on it. Let's go. Um, 
pizza, whiskey, and a llama and flowers, because this is like what I love about riding bikes is all the things I get to see and eat and enjoy. I love it. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So we'll definitely plug that in the show notes. Definitely click it, click on over there, get yourself a bandana and do some good. I'm over at hurdle podcast and at Emily Abadi. another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.